This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello, one and all, and welcome to Behind the Glass, your weekly automotive podcast. Hosted by two rather uninformed enthusiasts. Nah, 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 nah. <laughs> I'm Sam from the YouTube channel Seen Through Glass. Oh, I'm Tony from Gravelwood Car Sales. And you can watch us each week on YouTube. You can also listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and most podcast players. We hope you enjoy the episode. I've got to kick things off, clearing up a bit of an administrative error. <laughs> If you're coming to the Behind the Glass Live this Sunday, hopefully by now you would have received an email or confirming your attendance and with some instructions. If you're not coming, you may also have received an email. This morning I seem to have sent out confirmation of attendance and instructions to my entire mailing list. So I'm really sorry if unexpectedly you got an email saying, can't wait to see you this Sunday. And you're like, I did not buy tickets. You aren't invited (laughs) if you didn't buy a ticket for the event this sunday please don't show up because we will have names on the list and be checking tickets it was an admin error yeah and if you do turn up we're gonna sack the admin girl because it's your fault yeah (laughs) well yeah it was an administrative (laughs) disaster People will be replaced. <laughs> um, but yeah, so apologies. I, just, I had to clear that up because I think there's been a bit of confusion. I've seen a lot of emails coming and going from various mailboxes. And yeah, FYI, hopefully you would. If you haven't, if you don't know what to do, just, I guess, get in touch. BTG at seenthroughglass.com and someone will hopefully get back to you. But you, uh, another email was sent out, right? I believe so. I mean, it's been a mess. <laughs> it's coming towards the end of the year. It's our last theoretical event of the year. And it's all just gone absolutely tits up. I say last theoretical because we are very nearly ready ah. to announce our first ever international Behind the Glass Live, which is going to be happening in California. Yeah, which which I thought we wouldn't go that far initially. I thought we'd like be in Europe, Italy, France, yeah, Spain. Pop to Paris or something. We're going over the other side of the pond. Bloody hell. Bloody hell. No, that's Australia, no, no. mate. No. It's Bloody the... hell, mate. That's Australian you've just done. It's not American. <laughs> I wasn't trying to do an American <laughs> accent. I don't know what your accent just was. <laughs> I don't think that was Australian no. either. Isn't the pond, is the pond the Atlantic? Yes, the okay. other side of the pond. What's it called when you pop over to France? Outside the channel? Yeah. Ah, oh, okay, fine. So, Okay, cross it. Okay, fine, yeah. So yeah, we're going pretty much the other side of the world. <laughs> we're off to LA, uh, mid-November. Dates and locations for our LA, pretty certain it's LA, Behind the Glass Live event, 
should be announced very soon. If it's not next week, maybe it'll happen around the episode next week. So yeah, stay tuned for that. If you're based out of West Coast America and want to come and meet us, see us, chat to us, hear us talk absolute bollocks, then <laughs> yeah, you'll be able to sign up to do that uh, very soon. Also, if you're in LA or California in general, and you've got some ideas for what Tony and I could do whilst we're there. We, we've got quite a lot lined up, but um, do get in touch. Uh, yeah, BT. What's the weather like? Do I have to pack shorts? Don't think in November. I think in November it does get a bit overcast. You know, everyone always says California is endlessly sunny, but I think even even there in November, it's a little overcast. What is it? Yeah, well, it's not going to be spectacular. Chilly. Yeah, but like 15-ish oh. Celsius. They all do it in so Fahrenheit. Like what I'm wearing That's today. like 52 Fahrenheit. Jeans and hoodie then. I guess, yeah. Well, we'll find out. But um, anyway, so yeah, if you're on West Coast America and uh, you want to uh, suggest some stuff to me and Tony, let us know. Anyway, that's a bit of admin out of the way. God, I didn't know it to be so, uh, such an admin heavy start to the oh, episode. I know. I don't even know what we're talking about. No, what are we talking about? Well, what have you been up to? Well, I've been trying, trying to sell cars, oddly. How's that been going for you? Not that well. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's been very quiet this month for obvious reasons. Um, it will sort itself out, mate. you just got to carry on, don't you? Is it... Are you getting offered lots of cars? As in, like, hard to sell or hard to buy stock as well? No, we're right for stock, that's for sure. There's plenty of stock knocking about at the minute. There's loads of cars being offered, especially bigger stuff where people are starting to... Um, realise what's going on in the world and what's going to be affected. Um, this is nothing I haven't seen before, mate. You know, we're going to have a... We get, I spoke about it briefly last week. We'll have a bit of a downturn, sort itself back out again, and before we know it, we'll be out the other side. But stuff that you're getting offered, are you getting offered new stuff again? Um, what, from dealers? Well, yeah, because there was a big period, especially during COVID, that we spoke about a lot where... Of course, new car supply was tough and actually finding stock for you at one stage 18 months ago was kind of tough. So now are you getting, yeah, dealers calling you up and offering you new stock? Um, so not not so much that. Um, they've For quite some time now, there's plenty of used car stock about. There has been for quite some time. There is still a shortage of some new stuff. Uh, Porsche, for an example, uh, they'll still be waiting for loads of cars that are all pre-sold as we speak, whether they actually get delivered where people will start backing out of them. I see, I can see that happening for sure, and then they'll have a lot of new cars in stock. Um, there's some manufacturers less affected. Uh, BMW, for instance, got a lot more cars coming through now. Um, Mercedes, their AMG stuff is still light on the ground. Uh, Land Rover still have a problem with new car stock for sure. I know they're concentrating on the the new Range Rover and the new Sport. That's what they're really concentrating on the minute. But like, I know your mum had a well, problem an evoke, yeah, took with an Evoke. Nineteen months in the yeah, yeah. That, that I think that's still the same Discovery Sports. I think you still got a bit of a weight. Defenders, there's still sure. a big weight for them. Yeah, I think two years for Defenders. Maybe someone can correct me yeah. if I'm wrong there. But and they they come off a bit earlier in the year. But they'll th listen in every downturn which we're about to have. There'll still be certain models and certain cars that will fly because. What, what happens is people have an adjustment in their life. So instead of having two cars, they'll have one car and they'll have like a like an SUV. So, they, you know, they've had a sports car and a, and, a, and a nice SUV. They'll swap them both in, for instance, and get an even nicer SUV. So 
you know, there's certain cars to go to stuff that people go to. So some people are becoming out of really big cars and going into 40, 50 grand stuff. We've seen that a lot over the last couple of weeks where, you know, people are trying to get out of their 100 grand, 120 grand stuff and come back down into 40 and 50 grand stuff. That will be a thing. Um, well, actually, I want to touch on that a little bit later in this episode because we're okay. going to look at some used performance car bargains. Oh, flipping yeah. out. This is the worst time <laughs> to do it No, we'll, we'll come back to that at the end. But um, yeah. you mentioned BMW uh, seemingly, well, got new cars coming thick and fast. I just got invited to a... I think they call it a BMW Fleet Day or something. It's a it's a media day when they get all the cars out, including the new iX1, which I'm so oh, right. excited. I can't wait yeah, for yeah. I'm super excited well, about Well, the that. new X1's a lovely car. Yeah, really really nice nice car, yeah. super nice, right? Yeah. So uh, i got a day where I can just go down and just drive kind of anything. So I'm quite excited for that. It's I think it's mid-November or something like that. Just to go the new two, two Series is nice. You should drive that as well. You know, the, active the 240i. No, or no, just no, no. The active in tour in new two series. Don't start on the active tour, I think. No, it's nice car now, It's a new season. It's, I know. A new, it's a new, just but you should drive that car. Yeah, it's a really, really nice car. No, 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 I'm not going in on you. I'm just saying like that is a car might change your mind. You might think to yourself, well, you know. Well, if it's actually, there, if it's there, I'll have a you go. Should, yeah. yeah. Have you driven the new 240i? No, haven't driven any of the new two. How is the new two? Yeah, series? very. Good. You've had a few come through in stock recently, haven't you? Yeah, we've got a new one, new uh, M240i in stock. Yeah, now. I was using it the weekend actually. And I actually think they look kind of cool. Very good. I saw one in uh, in Isha in Surrey uh, at the weekend. Uh, <laughs> Isha, Isha, You're the, big the one. purple one. A lady driver, yeah, and I was like, "Go on, yeah, that's pretty cool." And I don't think they look that bad in the back, as in, I think I think they're all right, mate. I think they, they look a bit droopy, don't they? Like yeah, something went a bit wrong. Yeah, but I think but they're cool. Yeah, me too. Um, we saw leaked photos of what might be the new M2 that looked a bit odd, but I think as we're learning with BMW's design department at the moment, anything that we all think looks <gasps> a bit weird, give it a year, something it comes like, out right. Oh, this one's great. Yeah, yeah. That, the new M2 will will literally be the same as the 240i, but fled. Yeah, 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 yeah. fled bigger arches, arches exactly. bigger wheels and whatnot. So the one that we've got in stock's got a five grand uh, carbon exterior body kit, so it oh, looks wow. really layery, yeah, like yeah, a big it looks spoiler on it. Hell. Carbon diffuser, it's, it's nice, mm. mate, and, and it's really, it's a really nice grown-up, car to drive like it does it feels i'll tell you what it feels a little bit like a i mean it would feel a little bit like it, it feels like an m340i a little oh, bit oh really okay but, but in a coupe yeah, in a more compact car interesting yeah it's a really good great engine that engine as well yeah, so but you know i mean i love to live with a bmw at the minute obviously yeah. with the x3 like i just think Okay, fine. They may no longer be the real driver's choice, and styling-wise, people are feeling a bit. Why do you about say them. that? Why are they not the driver? Well, because people feel like M cars are no longer really for the drivers. Like, take the latest X uh, X three M three. We have both said that they opened that car up to a wider market, made it a little bit more comfortable, a little bit more usable, a little easier to get in and drive, which widened the prospective customers whereas if you're a diehard m car fan you're like oh god this is these aren't real m cars you know they're fat they're heavy they're over designed they're not really great to drive anymore the steering's all off like i think those that loved early what e36 and e30 m3 things like that don't recognize recent m products oh, i disagree because that car can be switched to be like an e36 all right it's never going to sound like like it did before but Listen, I, I 
I, I've always liked BMW, always, even when I was a kid. I had a few when I was younger. I've always liked BMW. And, yeah, they are they are much nicer to drive and probably as an everyday car can be a little bit boring, as all modern cars are now. How many times have we said that before? But you can still, that new M3, I, I think, yeah, in comfort mode and how it's all turned down, it is a bit dead and you know what I mean? People say that about 911s, by the way. Well, I, okay, you know, keep going. I'll so, but but you can, that's the beauty of them. You can dial them up. You know, they've all got these three or four different modes, and that's the whole point of them. They're packages now, so they appeal to lots of different people, you see. So you can dial it back to be like an old BMW. The only thing is, you know, if you're really going to give it the beans... They are a little bit heavy now compared to what they used to be. The E36 was very light on its on its feet. But look at the power difference, for instance, you know, like <clears throat> nearly double the power. And, and and I think turbo, some people are going to really hate me for this. <laughs> well, I, that wouldn't be a surprise, I, mate. <laughs> no, I, I think the turbocharged BMW engine, in right across the range, the 3 litres and the M car one, I think it's miles better than the old NA cars, mate. Ooh. The, the, you are going to stir the, some M, there. the M4, the older M4, the engine it was a bit spiky because yeah, it was I never, like all a blunt instrument. Nothing. I used to call it. Yeah, unless it, unless you was right on the edge with it. But now they've got that new car. It does both. You can get right on the edge with it, or you can drive it like an RS4 or a C63. And actually, to drive down the road, if you compare it to the Merc. It drives down the road much nicer than a Merc. I mean, a Merc is really bumpy now. An AMG Mercedes... Oh, that ride is rigid, it's, isn't it? It's awful. What was the word you used once before? That crashy. I, crashy. Yeah. It's a crashy ride in the yeah. Merc. Yeah. But, you know, how many times have we said this? And is this not the case for all manufacturers and all brands that cars now are being designed, developed to be accessible to a much wider customer base and more usable on a daily basis, whether that is a supercar like a Ferrari right down to whatever you might consider, even a Golf R or whatever. Like if you're into uh, modern classics or early days of M, RS, AMG, I mean, a C63 AMG from what, 2010? What was the block blocky shape? Yeah, one? yeah. Is it the 507? Sure, I, there you I, go. I, I, I mean, I, yes. I can't, it's like the BMW B58, so I don't know. Compare that to a modern C63. Heck, even the most modern C63, it's completely different. Yeah. But that's just these companies redeveloping themselves. And mm. I'm sort of with you. Like I, I'm not necessarily tied enough to one type of brand or manufacturer or tuner, whatever it might be, to go, oh, it's not really what it used to be. Even our beloved Ferrari, which at times we've gone... Mm, you know, I'm not that excited about that many of the modern products. The only difference with the Ferrari is that that no Ferrari are slightly different because no matter what Ferrari you get in, whether you get in a 40 year old one, a 30, 20, or a modern car, it's still a Ferrari, and it's still got that at 30 mile an hour. It's still got that nice warm feeling down the back of your neck that you're in a Ferrari. Yeah, they've changed, they're turbocharged and, and you know, they're loads more modern, although some of them look like they're 30 years old inside <laughs> still. But the new, you know, my mm -hmm, Roma's mm -hmm. incredible inside. It's a lovely car. Um, but, you know... But I think Ferrari's like Madonna. It's been through a whole <laughs> load of revolutions. Plastic surgery. But stayed relevant. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, like because... Yeah. 
I'm with you where Ferrari's Ferrari, I could probably sit here and, and go on a bit of a random tangent saying, oh, you know, modern Ferraris don't give me quite the same buzz as the old stuff. But sit me in any modern Ferrari, and I'm immediately like, oh. yeah, like a five-year-old again. Five-year-old, yeah. yeah so yeah. it's just the fact that they are clever enough to be a few steps ahead of us, I yeah, think. Yeah. Uh, Porsche is a very interesting one, because, of course, the 911, every generation only incrementally changes. If you took a 992 and a 1980s 911, completely different, but also same-same. It's one of those weird things where I think, and actually... I just came back and I want to talk about my road trip in a second, but I just came back from a trip which involved me spending a whole load of time around a lot of 1970s 911s. And the owners of those cars could not understand the appeal of a 992 911. Yeah. For them, they're like, oh my God, that's just like, it's nothing the same. But for someone who's coming into the Porsche and 911 life later on, where for me, 996 is 997 forwards are kind of the 911s that I associate with. They're already big and, and fumbly compared to those sort of 70s, 80s cars. So I think Porsche's there or thereabouts doing the same thing as Ferrari, you know, reinventing but staying true somewhat. So I, I don't, it's nothing new. BMW aren't <clears throat> the only people out there. Oh no. God, my, God, my car keys falling on the floor. Um, BMW aren't the only people out there re or changing the identity of what makes a BMW driver's car. Well, I, I always look at it as, listen, the human being evolves mm-hmm. and has evolved over the last 30 years. People are more clever now. You the, probably you know, less than some others. The, uh, but for yeah. sure, yeah. People people <laughs> switch on quicker and they, you know, the clever people, you know. Cars have done the same. Sure. All they've done to, is... Have because to, yeah. they have to evolve for the people. Yeah. Because... People forty and fifty years ago—that's what they accepted. You 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 bought a Ferrari forty or fifty years ago. You knew that it was going to break. Yeah, sure. You know, well, at the time, a three five five was the best car on the road. Oh, I couldn't think of anything worse. Yeah. <laughs> and I mentioned when I went down to DK Engineering and drove that four thirty that all the reviews at the time were like, "Oh my god, yeah. like, is this too far? This is crazy." Now you look at four thirty and you're like, "What the heck?" Yeah. yeah. So it, it's one of those things that yeah, time moved forward and change is always tough. And if you're a passionate petrolhead about a certain brand or make, whenever there's a new iteration and they change the recipe ever so slightly, you're always going to struggle with that because let's face it, BMW cannot still make today. An E36 M3. I think they're geniuses, mate, these manufacturers, especially like the driver's car ones. If we take BMW, Ferrari, Porsche, for instance, them mm-hmm. three, to name but a few. They've got to make a car that still has the DNA from 30 years ago for the customers that have always bought them. They've also got to make a car now for everyone else. So that that's, that's what they do. They, they, you know... They make a car for everyone. And this is where Porsche, Porsche, have, have stepped off a bit with that new GT3 RS. Because that ain't a car for everyone. Nope. My shape one was a car for everyone. Listen, it was a bit horrible on the road and it tramlined and it wasn't unbelievable on the road. And it was fundamentally focused for people that wanted to drive it on track. But you could drive it on the roads too, still. This new one is really focused on people that just want to drive it on track. So they've, they, they've stepped out of their remit a little bit in terms of making a car for a real specific person, a little bit like the Senna. Sure, absolutely. You know, they've really yeah. gone really dialed in, which is un, unlike a manufacturer because normally they've got to make a car, a road car, and it's got to be for everyone because everyone is different. So sure. when you look at it that way, 
it's genius. Yeah. Because they've got to make a car for me and you and the other 50 million people in the country, all the world, hundreds of millions of people. So uh, a couple of weeks ago, and the video just went live at the weekend, I drove a, a 1976 BMW 530 MLE, one of the original BMW M cars, like one of the first projects they did. And it was essentially a homologation special in South Africa. But I would like to have a go something like yeah, that as well. Yeah, uh, genuinely. And I, I, uh, I'm, so many things in my head. <laughs> uh, but a big part of what I said in that video was, you know, this was 10 years before the first M5, right? Yeah. But the fundamentals of what an M car is today could be identified in that 530 MLE. Yeah. You know, tortoise suspension, souped up engine, bit of aggressive body styling, lightweight, custom Brakes. interior, you know, all yeah, the bits yeah. that you would kind of... And so, okay, this was a completely different driver's experience. And to a lot of people, that was the pure BMW motorsport drives a homologation. But the fundamentals are the same. You just have to remember that the base, that was based off a of 525, I think. The base... Five series now is a million miles better. Oh, because they've evolved be, it, made him better. Of course, yeah. and, and the normal five series is what people are using to bum around doing chauffeur-driven drives or uh, telecommunication sales or whatever. You know, they're, they're family cars. Yeah. So the souped-up version can only be so much lighter, so much stiffer. So much, it's still, you know, it's starting from a certain place. So Got airbags in it and everything. Exactly, exactly. So it's a very, a very different prospect. But um, yeah, to touch on what you just said. So here's something I think I've clocked on. 70s cars make people feel differently to any other era of car. Because they were crap. No. <laughs> I don't mean from behind the wheel. Oh, I mean in terms of appreciation. Right. Because you just said it there. Oh, I'd like to have a go in one of those. You are a man who hates anything older than a three-year-old car. It's a disaster for you. But Mercedes Pagoda, a BMW, random 70s BMW, a 70s 911, I'm sure you'd look at it and go, oh, it looks all right. You I know. drive a 70s 911 not so long ago with you. No, that was a 90s. No, Was that a 90s? <laughs> yeah. Well, it felt like 70s. <laughs> it looked like 70s as well. <laughs> but I think there's something in the fact that 70s cars are really iconic. Right. They look or they remind people of a, a better era. If you're of a generation where maybe you saw those as a kid on the road, then you're immediately like... <gasps> But there's something, I think, infinitely cool about, okay, let's talk about sports slash performance 70s cars, because I'm sure there were some really dodgy cars from the 70s. Driving that BMW through London, I have never, mate, never had a reaction like it. Every single person was looking, giving me a thumbs up. I stopped at traffic lights. People were slowing down. Van drive, like, mate, everyone. It's because you've never seen one, though. That's, you know, what... Mate, it's just a blocky 70s BMW with some decals on it. Yeah. But but first, okay, BMW and an and M product, immediately there's a, you know, people are, it's way more, so if it's I was in a Lamborghini Miura, people yeah, would be yeah. like, you know, so there's a different kind of uh, appreciation. But but still, I've driven a few 70s cars in and around places and people just go nuts for them. Yeah. It's it's amazing seeing, it's, it's actually really, really cool. And I yeah. quite like, I think more than any other generation, those cars, yeah, just seem to get a big thumbs up. Yeah, fair enough. Now, Big things happened at the weekend. You didn't witness it. But Max Verstappen won his second World Drivers' Championship. I did, I did, I did watch. Uh, I didn't wake up in the morning. Um, but I did watch bits of it. Luckily, I didn't wake up in the morning, by the way, because <laughs> yeah. it was two hours odd delayed. Yep. Um, I did watch bits of it on reruns. Sure. Um, 
I've I've really not got into F1 this year. And in general, I do like F1. I like motor racing. I like touring cars. I like cup car racing. I like all racing. They had truck racing on at the gym this morning. Oh, yeah, I won't watch that. Truck racing? Not interested I was kind of obsessed. Yeah, I'm not interested in that. But I like all racing in general, if it's close. I, I, I don't want to tune in every week and watch a procession or watch the same bloke. That's why I liked F1 so much last year and I was jumping up and down about this and that. Because you knew that every single week, there's two drivers from two different teams you never knew who was going to win. You never knew what was going to happen. There was something riding on it. And this year, like lots of other years, Vettel, Hamilton dominations, you, you, you tune in every week and you just know what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, it's been a tough year to be a fan, for sure. I mean, those of us that have watched the sport for a long time know that this is Formula One. Mm. Very common, as you, as you mentioned. I mean, the dominance that Verstappen has had this year... I think Hamilton must have had like 2019. Like there's been a couple of his Mercedes years, I'm sure. If I look them up now, where he wrapped up the season with four races, three, four races to go, percentage of victories and things like that. But Verstappen is actually much closer to a sort of Vettel era domination, a Schumacher era domination, where he's on course to probably break the record of most victories in one season. Okay, aided by the fact that they're doing more races than any other year. Um, His winning percentage is insanely high. And you're right, he just appears to be in a different league to the other drivers, and especially since like race five or six, where <clears throat> really it doesn't matter where he's starting or what's going on, it's a pretty surefire bet that he's going to win. He's got the car. Yeah, but it's, no, mate, it's not just that. He's He, as a driver, is in a different league at the moment because Perez has got the car, mate. Perez has got the car. That, that's true, but Perez isn't of the same level as some of the other drivers out there. Because if he was, he'd be up with Max. Well, so that well, that that is that is the difference, and we saw it with Hamilton and Bottas throughout the years, and and we've seen it with other drivers throughout the years. There's always a driver that that is the number one driver, and he always gets all the preference as well. Um, and in general, mate, in F1. If you haven't got the car, you're not going to win. No, of course. He's Latifi's got... not winning a race. Correct. But, but, but uh, of course, but what you have to appreciate and applaud, just like Hamilton during his dominance, just like Schumacher, just like any of these people, as you just said, there's a number one driver and there's a number two driver. Correct. Now, a lot of the times the teams will purposefully choose a driver they think isn't going to threaten the number one driver on their day. Um, they're there to pick up points for constructors and if the main driver has an issue they're there to scoop up the victory which Perez to be fair to him has done in a yeah. lot of cases but there is also the example which Vettel did to Weber, which Hamilton did to Rosberg and Bottas which Schumacher did to and Irvine Alonso. and Barrichello Alonso not quite so much I mean they level points at the end of the year so he didn't dominate Alonso and we're seeing it now with Russell mm. there's a difference between Yes, having a good car and then being so in tune with that car, being Absolutely. so on song yeah. that you dominate your teammate. Yeah. Like there's no part of any race weekend this year where you think Perez could beat Verstappen. The first two or three races, you're like, oh, could this be closer this year? Mm. But no. Verstappen, he's just in another league, mate. And it's that's not just down to the car, that's down to his ability and the fact that he's completely gelled with that car. And I completely agree. You have to have both. Both you have you have to be a, a an unbelievable driver because it's not 
to win one world championship in general, that's not a mistake. To win two, three, four, five, six, seven, it, it's not just the car. And I completely understand it. You've got to drive the car and there's levels. of. We know that. Look at um, look at Norris and Ricardo. I mean, on paper, you'd say that Ricardo's a better driver than Norris. He just can't live with that car. He can't get on with that car. And there's there's certain certain cars that the setups just aren't quite right for that person. That person likes a different setup, and they're always going to lean towards the lead driver essentially. So, uh, you know, there's there's also an argument with Russell and Hamilton this year because the car has been a pile of poo. Russell's got the hang of it better than Hamilton because Hamilton's used to been driving a proper car, although he's come back into it over the last six months. Oh, I'm last definitely few. disagree with you there. What you well, can't say he's used to driving a proper car, so now he's in a bad one. Doesn't know what he's doing. I mean, of course he knows what he's doing. But what I'm saying is, is that if you're used to driving a pile of poo, when you get in another pile of poo, there's going to be an adjustment period. If you're used to driving a proper car, do you know what I mean? If Matt, if if Max. If Max gets in the um, in the McLaren or the Mercedes now, is he any quicker than Norris or Lewis or Russell? I bet he won't be. I think the point being, no matter what, when you change teams, there is traditionally a period of time that it takes you to get up to speed. We've seen it with even Hamilton when he joined Mercedes. Yeah, of course. You know, okay, Verstappen, no, because his first race for Red Bull, he won. But, you know, there's always a period where it takes them to get up to speed and get fully confident. Russell, from day one of the season, has absolutely nailed it. You you can take nothing away from of George course Russell. Not. He's had an unbelievable year, and he has 100% had a better year than Hamilton. Yeah. There's a lot that goes on behind the scenes that you don't know of what Hamilton was trying at the start of the year, all these rumours that he was uh, trying different setups to try and figure out what the... Where, how to fix the the issues that the team were having and things like that. Uh, Qualifying-wise, I think he still has got the stat over Russell, which is surprising given his age and Russell's the up-and-comer. Um, but no matter what, whatever the defence, Russell has had a better year than Hamilton this so year. Is he a better driver than him then? Uh, it's impossible to say at this stage. It's it's too soon to say. But at this point... When do you say then? Oh, you've got to go years and it's not you're not going to see it. But... If you looked at Hamilton versus Alonso, when you sit there and go, oh, Hamilton's the best worker, he drew points. He was level with Alonso. He was an incoming double world champion. They were both going for the title, rookie season, blah, blah, blah. No matter what, the the results Russell's been able to pull off with that car, which has been dodgy, and the performances and everything, even his overtakes in Japan yesterday, mate. He, okay, fine. His performance differential, his pace, et cetera, was better than the cars ahead of him, different to Hamilton and Ocon. But he was still pulling moves that Hamilton couldn't make. So well, because it, because Hamilton was behind a faster car. That's why I'm, I just said that. I literally just said, yeah. you know, Russell had the pace advantage. But I, I think you are very, very quick to absolutely applaud it, Lewis, as I am as a big Hamilton fan. Not just Lewis as well. And, and talk down about Russell this year. Fundamentally, I think Russell has an, had an incredible year. And if it was a championship car, that car... I think it would be splitting hairs between them. And actually, if it was a championship year, Russell would be the one leading the championship. I don't think Hamilton would necessarily have banged in the results. Because when where were we before when he made all those mistakes? Um, uh, at Singapore. So Hamilton this year has made, and as we saw last year, mistakes, which yeah, is yeah. bound to happen at this point of his career, where Russell has been unbelievably consistent. And he's had some luck though as well. 
He's, with he's had a, cars yeah, but that's and, Formula One, mate. Yeah, that's, of course, that's Formula yeah, One. Yeah, you know? Like yeah. he, that's just racing, and and you have to be in a position to take advantage of the luck. And he's also made some incredibly good calls. Yeah. So, I think the point which I was to make is Verstappen has absolutely destroyed everyone this year, and looks on a trajectory where no one's going to be able to touch him for a while. Yeah, yeah. If he's got the car, he'll 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 clean up, mate. Well, he'll definitely clean up in that team. So the question is. Can Ferrari or Mercedes or any other team get on Red Bull's level? You've got to think with the rules and regulations, it, it doesn't seem obvious. You know, Ferrari are imploding. You don't, I don't feel the confidence in Leclerc. If Leclerc had a clear run at Verstappen over Champions, I don't believe no, he's got he's it in him to beat him. him. No, 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 so him. based on last year, Hamilton's the only person I think can go wheel to wheel with Verstappen over a season. I agree. Russell's showing potential, but we haven't really seen him. Russell had that, I think it was Spain when he was racing Verstappen. Most of this year, Russell hasn't done wheel-to-wheel -wheel action with, with the Verstappens, with Leclerc, with Hamilton. He hasn't had that chance. He's kind of been in the middle of nowhere, really. Mm. So we haven't seen him in combat yet. Um, yeah, Perez is not going to answer for him. Norris, I don't think McLaren are going to build the car. He's got no. the potential. So, yeah, it, it looks like maybe we're, we're in for a few years of Verstappen dominance. Um, and as I say, as a Formula 1 fan, it's nothing new, but it is it is depressing. And before all you Verstappen fans come after me, going, oh, you didn't say it's depressing when Hamilton was winning. I did. Look at my Twitter. Look at my stories. When Hamilton cleaned up at the end of the year, I was always like, well, that's super boring. Yeah. There's no, there, it is boring when it's a yeah. dominant season. It doesn't matter who you're supporting. It is boring. You want it to go down to the wire. But last year, as we said on WhatsApp yesterday, was a freak year. That was a freak year that we haven't seen since Senna and Prost in the late 80s, early 90s. So we will not see a year like that again. It's unlikely. Which is a shame. For, for 10, 15 years. That's a shame because that's really what the sport should be built on. Because that's how Formula One is going to grow as a sport by making it more competitive. Because it's, in terms of racing, I said this yesterday, it is the pinnacle of F1, of F the pinnacle yeah. of motorsport. It, it is, the, in terms of the fastest car and the slowest car, the, it's the, also the biggest gap mm. in terms of, you know, Verstappen raced 20-odd laps the other day in the rain, he finished 25 seconds ahead. I mean, that doesn't ahead happen. Of in, in ahead of his teammate. Ahead of his teammate. Ahead of his teammate. That does not happen in any other. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive & June. Olive & June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which 
is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Championship period across no, but that's Verstappen, mate. He was in another level, 20, 25 ahead of his teammate. Correct, but but if there was a if someone if Lewis had the same car, it'd be with him. But this and is so, the whole, and so would and so would would Claire, Leclerc if he'd have had the same car? Yeah, he's probably got a mistake in him, but he's still. Properly good, mate. You know, he's Who, still Leclerc? yeah. Of course, if he, if he if he had the same car, the same machinery, he wouldn't be twenty five seconds back, would he? Well, he might be a mm, couple of seconds back. I think yesterday he was. I think if you look at it over qualifying, there was less than a tenth between them. At the start of the race, when he had the tires, he was under a second for Verstappen for the first. I don't know. I can't remember the lap count because so his car gets shortened. Race tires, his, his, his tires, tires burn out. But yeah. was that his driving style? Was that his management of the tires? It doesn't matter. Of course, you can say, "Oh, well, the Ferrari burns the tires out quicker." You got to drive around it. So yesterday was a Verstappen masterclass, and I'm not a of Verstappen course it fan. Was. I'm yeah, not yeah. a Verstappen fan. But the point you make is the eternal question of Formula One: is the ultimate way to make Formula One as competitive as possible is everyone has the same car? Correct. But that for me is no longer Formula One. As a Formula One fan. It's not just about the driver. If you just support the driver, then of course, that's all you want to see. But it's about the technical ingenuity, the R&D, the, the teamwork that goes into building the fastest car and running the fastest car. Because as we saw the first, first, of the, uh, first half of the year, Ferrari had the faster car. They just completely messed it up. Yeah. They imploded. They lost that championship yeah. at the start of the year. I think since then, Verstappen has gone from strength to strength. But um so that's what it's all about. That's not just down to Leclerc. That's down to Ferrari messing it up. Of and course. that's the team. So if they all have the same cars, a la IndyCar, uh, a la lots of other uh, LMP2, they're all basically the same yeah, chassis. Yeah. Most most championships across the world, the cars are very similar. The biggest gap is in F1. But there you go. So then if you standardise parts, it's it's a driver's championship. There's no longer a Is that not what it should be, no? No, mate. It's a constructor championship. It's R&D. Flappy paddle gearbox from Ferrari. That came in because Ferrari wanted a competitive advantage. That's what we've all got in our road cars. Yeah. It's the ultimate test, but that's why so many of these manufacturers and sponsors get involved. And that's why the biggest brands in the world, and I mean, Ferrari, Alfa 1, Formula 1, Ferrari, but now we're talking about hearing Audi, Porsche, that lot trying to get back in. We've had the likes of Toyota. We've had the likes of BMW coming and going because they want to be in part of that technical development. If it's all standardized, it's just a load of drivers. And then do you, it, what's the better sport? Is it the better sport to win for Ferrari in Formula One or to win for Bob's Racers with no manufacturer or sponsor tie-ins? It's just a load of drivers plattering around a track in the same cars. That's IndyCar, mate. That yeah. literally go watch IndyCar. Yeah. yeah. I, Why don't you watch IndyCar? I don't watch IndyCar. Watch. Why don't you watch IndyCar? Because yes. it's literally Formula One, but with the same cars. Yeah, yeah. well, it's not. It, it literally is. An, in, an IndyCar is load slower than a Formula One car around a track. But it's literally the same cars. Well, it's actually not loads slower. Well, it's quite a bit slower. Yeah, but it's, it's five or six seconds. It's F two. It's F two speeds. Yeah. So that's yeah. between with five top, and ten seconds. With a lap. great drivers. 
all at the same level. Fair. But then F- it, I, I, sometimes I watch F2 because the cars are the same. It's, yeah. much, it's much closer. Yeah. Much better. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's fine. So I don't watch IndyCar, but watch F2. But should watch IndyCar. It's good. What? should watch IndyCar. It's good. No, I don't want to watch it. It's exactly what you want. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just keep watching football because it's the biggest sport in the world. Yeah, okay, Best whatever. sport in the world. Um, well, <laughs> look, uh, congratulations to Max Verstappen. I'm, I'm not a fan, um, still. Um, I like but, him. But, I, I, I like him. Of course him, you do. Listen to him. Pied Piper always follows the winning driver. No, uh, no, no, no. No, <laughs> I, I, I like him because he's fucking unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, see, that's the thing. You're just a bit of a glory supporter. I'm still not a fan. Um, but, but bravo, you cannot knock his ability and his talent this year. It's unbelievable. That's why I like him. I know, but that's maybe he's a glory supporter. Stick to your. You were a Hamilton fan last year. You hated I still, I still am. You hated. I didn't Verstappen hate Verstappen. Yeah, you did. I did not hate Changed Verstappen. So you hated quickly. Verstappen. I didn't. I still. I still think him and Lewis are the best two drivers on the grid. In fact, arguably some of the the two best drivers to ever drive an F one car. I think they're exceptional. So that's why I like them. I don't really care who wins. I just want to see close racing. And we're not going to see that, unfortunately. So I'm not interested. All right. Uh, <laughs> if you want to hear more F1 chat, uh, Paul and I are working super hard on After the Chicken Flag. I know it's gone quiet. That's because this year, I just think, was a bit of a dead year. We got to the end of the races and we're like, well, I don't know a lot to talk about. And that's not just because we're not Verstappen fans, but we've got some huge plans for it. Some really exciting plans, which I think you'll all love. So stay tuned. More F1 chat to come. As you can tell, Tony and I aren't destined to talk about F1 because we hate talking about F1 together. Cause yeah, we're not interested. <laughs> no, no, no. I love F1. Sounds just, a super fan. I hate I'm not. all your opinions. <laughs> <laughs> so I can't do it. Um, anyway, I just came back from a really exciting road trip. Yeah. Uh, super cool. So took the 360 down to Maranello. Took it home. Back to the factory 20 years after it was made. Did they let you in? Or? Uh, so, a uh, bit of a funny <laughs> one, this one. So it's not the first time I've gone to Maranello with that car, and I just say it in the video. Uh, the actual reason I was going down there for the was for the launch of the 296 GTS. So the, the Spider 296, that's why I was going. Proper car. Proper car. But I thought, you know, it would be a perfect way to see out this big 20th birthday year with the Ferrari. I ticked over 50,000 miles, and I thought it would be really nice to kind of, yeah, as I say, finish uh, all these adventures by taking it back to the factory. Not the first time. Um, but Ferrari are very funny with taking pictures <laughs> or doing anything video-wise in and around the factory. All, I mean, I've... And I've in been and around their dealers and everything. Well, like. they just don't in like general, it. They just don't yeah, like yeah. it. They're protecting the brand. So, you know, factory tours, no, not, not allowed to be filmed. Uh, going into the atelier, no, not allowed to be filmed. Like any of that, because it's theoretically reserved for customers, which I kind of get. Like, and you know, special, it's supposed to be special. Special, special. Yeah. So if you can just watch it on YouTube, it's no longer special, which, you know, I understand. That's totally fine. Um, but I've owned this car for five years now. I've been doing all this content. And I was like, I just want a photo in front of the factory gates. That's all I want, just to have it as a bit of like a thing. You know, what a cool moment. Get the car under the iconic factory gate. Mm, this is going to be difficult, you know. It's very difficult. I was like, <laughs> well, it's not that difficult. I just, yeah, I just park the car in, up. Park the car in, take a photo. Yes, but it's very busy, very busy. I was like, no, but come on, please. <laughs> so we had all these plans, but I'm going to be driving down to Maranello, 296 GTS. And it's like a weird route. First time I've ever done this suppressed launch. You started in Maranello, picked up the 296 GTS, drove to Forte de Mami. I think, oh, you drove it? Yeah, which is near Pisa. And then you're supposed to then just fly out of Pisa. But I was like, well, I'm driving to Maranello, so I needed a lift back to Maranello. So I was like, why don't we do the lift back and I'll just I'll get the photo at, at the end of the factory. Mm, this is a Monday. It's very busy on a Monday. No, but okay, well, I'm coming on the Sunday. I'll arrive into Maranello on the Sunday. What? These are closed. I said, perfect. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. Perfect. I'll just, I'll, I'll pose up and do some fun. Mm, I will let you know. It's very difficult. 
So I do this whole drive down, you know, I'm going back to factory, I'm going back to my life. I get there, call up my contact. Is no, not today. No possible take photo. So, sorry. So I'm like, screw it. And I just roll into the factory gates, park the car, I'll take the photo. Immediately security. Eh, hey, no, no, no. <laughs> really? Yeah. Where on here? So I'm like, okay, well, this is a bit of a fail. So I think, well, I'm just going to have to make the video and just end it kind of, you know, romantically with this kind of, you know, I've gone back to the factory. And then the next morning, we had to leave at 7.45 in the cars. And I get an email at 11 p.m. at night. Sam, meet me downstairs 7 a.m. We take photo. I check, sunrise, 7.30. I'm like, oh my God. So we drive to the factory in the pitch black, rock up at the factory gates, park the car. You have one minute. <laughs> and I was like, what? Take photo now. I was like, oh my God. So uh, long story short, <laughs> I, got, I got my dream photo of the 360 in front of the factory gates. In the dark. In the dark, after I'd finished my video, rushed to hell, didn't get any other content. I wanted to do a whole piece to camera like, guys, I've, I've made it. Like, couldn't do anything. So there's a part of me which like treasures that moment and it was the weirdest and I've got the photo and I'm super ecstatic. But I'm like, oh, come on, Ferrari. So I feel two ways about it. I don't really know. Like, it's, you know, it was predictably Ferrari. But I guess I got the photo, so I can't, I can't really complain. I have to be thankful because it is a great honour to take the photo well, that, under the gates. That bloke would probably like me. You probably didn't want to see your car in the light rather than in the dark. Yeah, probably. <laughs> we don't want some crappy old 360 oh, yeah. under the gates. But uh, I mean, I guess I'll say, I guess I should say thank you. But if you've watched that main channel video and you're kind of not understanding what happened, or I don't really know, I haven't edited it yet, so I'm not quite sure how I'm going to tell that story but um yeah anyways that that's the truth of it um but yeah drove 296 gts uh, i'm not allowed to talk about it oh at the you're moment. joking the video goes out on sunday so it depends on when you're listening to this podcast embargoed embargoed which if you're of course it is. new to this world embargo means that you sign a piece of paper saying you will not talk about anything to do with the car uh until a certain date otherwise ferrari sue your ass um so we're all strictly embargoed until Saturday, I think my video goes out on the Sunday. So, yeah, if you're listening to this episode a bit we- a bit late, then the video might already been out. Um, did you I do? I think uh, I can tell you, I drove a blue car. Did you do? Did you do a GTB review? I did a GTB review on your channel. On my channel. I'll just go and watch that. It's the same with the roof <laughs> off. Be the same thing. I no comment. <laughs> <laughs> and then I finished that up at about four or five p.m. on the Monday, and on Tuesday morning. I had to be in Paris for an event starting at 8 a.m. Oh, right. So I was like, right, I'll just, I'll just drive from Maranello to Paris and get there late and get some sleep. You do it in a day. Easy. Well, I, I thought in my head it was like six hours. Get, oh, it's get ten, the, yeah, ten. Yeah, ten, ten and a half. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, 5 p.m., ten and a half hours to Paris. I was like, oh, that's a ball ache. But I thought, you know what, fine, I'll get there like 2 a.m., whatever, you know. Crack on. And my route from Maranello was to go through the Mont Blanc Tunnel. Lovely. Popular tunnel. A little bit expensive, but you know. Makes the route I'm quick. Really slow. Driving up the, you go up through these kind of cool tunneled roads of going from Italy up to the Mont Blanc Tunnel. I'm giving it some, making some noise. I'm like, ah, living my best life. It's like F- forty mile hour. You were doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's about nine p.m. I had the tunes blasting. The sun was setting. I was like, this is amazing. And I get to the top and I see like, lots of roadworks going on. I'm like, oh, that's a bit, bit of a bore. And then uh, some kind of sign which says like, "La da bomba da badid Third of October, I've closed. Closed. And I'm like, what? So I keep driving, and then there's a man in the middle of the road. Hey, stop, stop, stop. Slam on the brakes. 
It's me, it's me Dan Schiffer. <laughs> and he goes, uh, Daniel Fermi. Fermi, Daniel. That means closed. And I was like, huh? <laughs> yeah, closed, closed, not busted. And I was like, what are you on about? I'm trying to get to Paris. He's like, oh, what, the Mont Blanc? no, 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 monsieur. Mont Blanc tunnel closed. Oh no. At like 9 p.m. at night. And I'm like, so I said, to, I was like, what, what, where do I go? He goes, up, up. And I was like, what? Over, over the tunnel. Yeah. Oh up, no. Up. So, it's oh, another two hours. God, yeah. Added two and a half hours to my ETA. Yeah. So oh. I was like, at this point, not happy, distressing, flapping. And it wasn't like some cool, romantic, amazing mountain pass, like through the snow. No, it was like a really crappy route with all the diverted trucks. And I was miserable. So I got into Paris at like 2.30, 3am, I think, something like that, for my event starting the next morning. So that was actually a bit of a bit of a flop and a bit of a fail. But the car was, as ever, brilliant, fantastic on a long cruise, that 360. Um, never blinked. Uh, and then I attended this amazing event with Tag Heuer. Wow. So they launched this new watch. It's part of their collaboration with Porsche, celebrating 50 years of the Carrera RS 2.7. Okay. Or the 2.7 RS. Um, two watches. I loved the, I guess the white and blue one. They got a red, they got a gold and red one, which I wasn't such a fan of. It's super limited, very expensive. But the white and blue one I really liked. How much are they? I think the white and blue one's like circa five or six. The red and gold was like 25. Or something. Oh, right. Yeah, but they're limited production. Fair. All about celebrating the RS. But what they did was they amassed 16, one six, Carrera RS 2.7s. From owners. From owners. Right. So in at this Parisian hotel, you just had this lineup. Who drove them? The owners. Of the owners. Right. It was absolutely incredible. On top of that, you had loads of, like we had 911 Carrera S's and GTS's, really well specced, beautifully specced from factory. New shape ones. Yeah, uh, new shape ones, Cayennes, McCann's, Panamera's. I've just decided I don't like the Panamera, by the way. I'm just going to put that out there. I'm just not a Panamera fan. But, um, and then we had an amazing day driving through some of the most amazing Parisian countryside, these incredible <laughs> venues. And 16 RS's just bottling around with us super cool um so an amazing event and then we got to go out the next day in paris and shoot the cars with the watches and actually one of my favorite motoring related events i've been to in a long long time all right and the watch i mean i it's a hard one the watch because i i liked it as like aesthetically like cool watch as an rs owner would you go oh, i want one of those i got an rs it's not a very classic looking watch a very modern looking watch um but it was kind of cool and, the, and, the, and imagery wise it was super cool to have the watch and the cars and in paris and uh, i really love that tag porsche partnership yeah it for me it makes a lot of sense in the racing i met some really cool people some fans of this podcast so guys if you're listening what's up um actually someone who might be helping us out when we go to la top, oh, top oh, land all oh, right that later. um so yes yeah, so that was great and then, and we're going to talk about this more, we're going to talk about it next week. On the way back home, I made one final stop and a fascinating one. Because I fueled up the 360 with synthetic fuels. Oh, yeah. This is, I, I want the main channel video to go out first. Because firstly, I think it's more important. There's a lot of information in that video. But I'm so hyped and excited to discuss it here in the podcast. I'm teasing it. It's a teaser. For next week. For next week. Right. I, I, I just, that's all I'm going to say. We've got another. Then I'm excited. There's more, there's a very, another very exciting thing going on next week. But yeah, next week we're going to go. Do I know about that? Uh, yes, you did. No. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to go in deep to, yes, synthetic fuel. I actually fueled up the 360 with synthetic fuel. The question is, 
Did I make it back? Mm. Dun, dun, dun. Well, you, you did make it. You're, you're in. I'm here. But where's the car? Where's the car? That's a bit like, where's Wally? Yeah. <laughs> there he is. <laughs> oh, but yeah, so super exciting. You know, if you've listened to this podcast for a while, Tony and I have uh, talked about synthetic fuels for a long time. Our saviour. Well, yeah, that's the way we feel. And uh, and this is a company doing some super exciting stuff in the space. And so, yeah, stay tuned. Next week, big chat on synthetic fuel. Anyway, um, I teased it right at the start. I wanted to touch on something, which actually, you know what? I think we're going to make a bit of a regular feature, mate. I want to bring in some features to season six. All right. Um, But it is kind of like, I guess, what would you call them? I want to call nickname. Guys, I'm going to challenge you with this. Patrons and non-patrons. Bargain buys or like, basically, what are the cool, you just mentioned a lot of people getting out of their big cars, going to slightly more affordable things. Try, you know. If we're going through this horrible financial crisis, in inverted commas, um, what are some semi-affordable slash affordable performance cars? I don't think it's a financial crisis. I think it's a cost of living crisis. Okay. Controversial. Yeah. Uh, um, so, yeah, let's do it. Let's get like a theme tune. Let's do like this week's Bargain Buy. Ben, can you do it, please? Yeah. <laughs> can, you, can you do the song? But I want some suggestions for what that, what that segment should be. Like Rate My Ride, but it should be, maybe it's Bargain Buys. Maybe I just nailed it. But anyway, uh, thankfully, our beloved autocar who helped so much with this podcast without knowing it, have been right on our brains this week because they've released an article, 31 used performance car bargains. Right. So I thought we'd just dive straight in. So you're going to read them in and I'm going to tell you whether they're talking complete toilet or not. Uh, exactly. Right. Which, knowing you, will be all of them. They're going to kickstart. Now, remember the £1,000, right? £1,000. 1000 quid. Yeah, that's what's important here. Yeah. MGTF. <sighs> It's like the little MGMX5 well, I know thing. exactly what it is, yeah. <laughs> Flipping hell. Don't stress too much about the possibility of a failed head gasket. Many cars have now been fixed. That's a lie. <laughs> because that's the first thing that comes to my head. Head gasket. They're saying a 65,000 mile 2004 car, 2,000 quid. Something like that. The only, the only good thing is, is that if you do buy something like that, just do the head gasket straight away. Because it won't be that much. It's not like just a huge sorted. job. And then you know that you've got, well, I don't know, because they overeat as well, which obviously causes the egg gasket. And basically, I, they have many problems. Yeah, I'm not so for that one. No. I also, because like, I'm a bit like, I don't think it's going to give you much. I don't think you're going to get in that and go, ooh, YMG. And then makes five. Yeah, I, exactly. So I'd skip that. Uh, but I would jump on their next suggestion, RX-8. Mazda RX-8. Oh, you uh, are you're gonna absolutely no. clueless. <laughs> I know you're not going to oh tell Oh, my loud, God. But I'm sorry. When I was growing up, and still, the, it's one, I think it's a super cool looking car. Good. It, it, it's obviously, Have you driven one? No. Oh, my God. But do I really need to? Like, it's don't they rev super high and stuff? Well, they're very, very peculiar. I mean. It's got the rotary engine, that's one. Uh, uh, essentially, it is genius. Yeah. It's really not genius because, <laughs> I mean, I'm not really that technical, but a rotary engine means the engine does that. Yeah. So it goes yeah. from a, like small, a washing machine. <laughs> small engine, like a 1.3, but really it puts out the power of a 2.6. And because the pistons do that, they go round and round. For as those opposed of you to listening, and Tony's doing some interesting like a, movements like with his arm. Like a cartwheel. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> with his arm. Now, the problem with them is that, they overfuel all the while. And you turn them off and you turn them back on it. They won't go. They won't. Yeah. 
So if they're mm. if they're overfueled or underfueled, they then burn the pistons, which is a disaster. So from being something genius to use every day, it's not genius. No, I mean it's a terrible car. That's like a real rich man thing of. I'm going to buy an 1800 quid car just, just for the weekend and just until it dies. Well, you'll buy it one weekend, it'll die the next. That's what I mean. I don't think, actually, if we're looking at cars to get into now to get us through this tough time, that might just end up costing you more than whatever you're in right now. There might actually be an engineering company, because I do know people that did used to specialise in them, and, and there might be an engineering company that sorted it out now, but I doubt it. They were really bad on fuel. Yeah. And they were really high on road tax. Okay, so they look cool and the <laughs> idea of them is cool. Might be a bit of a disaster. No. <laughs> Moving on though, next up, ah, oh, forever favourite of mine, Audi TT. Great look car. Look at this. So uh, all the cars are saying you can find them. Well, they're saying you can find real. Here's a 225 horsepower, 2004 TT, 82,000 miles, 2,200 quid. That's a good little car. That sounds right, isn't it? That's not a TTS though. No, TTS is a bit more. Yeah. But that's a great car. I mean, I love the TT. and I like that shape, that nice round the shape. The really early shape. Yeah, it's a the really Mark pretty one. shape. Very, yeah. yeah. They're super cool cars. They they feel sporty when you get them. I obviously own that TTS, which is the generation after that, the Mark II. Um, but they, they are cool. And, and they had a bit of a hairdresser vibe after for a while. But I think that's kind of gone now. And Yeah, it's gone now. Yeah, yeah it's, they're, they're great, great little cars. Uh, Mini Cooper S, sure. But I'm not sure you're going to get the kicks you might want. The supercharged uh, one or the turbocharged one? Uh, it's a 2008, three Ooh. and a half grand. Oh, it's right on the cusp. But might, but might be the last of this that's got Peugeot engine. It's in. a hot hatch, isn't it? It's a hot hatch. Like, just not that hot. <laughs> semi hot. <laughs> yeah. But do you know what I mean? Like, if you're looking for, I don't think of that as, I know hot hatches are great performance cars, but I'm going to just move past it because I, I don't want to include hot hatches in this. That's a whole other segment. Bargain hot hatches. Oh no! Do you know what? I think I think the turbo. I got that wrong with the mini. I think the turbocharged engine was the Peugeot engine. Oh, it's one or the other. Okay. One of them was no good. I'm discounting the mini. I'm just going to discount yeah. it. They're good now. Sure. Uh, Toyota MR2. So same as my 360, basically. <laughs> I yeah. gave you that one for free. No, no, yeah. yeah. You know what's coming. Yeah. Um, I mean, it won't break. Uh, so they're saying here the Mark One is now collectible. Cheap cars tend to be rusty. Mark II isn't much better, so you're likely to fare better if you get a Mark III. Watch out for engine failure on cars built up to 2002. The pre-cat could break up and find its way into the cylinders. Yeah, that was... is uh, rubbish. I remember that cat issue that they used to have. I wonder if it's going to be on the list. Whenever I think of cars like this, I always think of that. What was the Vauxhall one? Remember the Vauxhall little... The Viva. Uh, yeah. Uh, not the Viva. The Vectra? No. No. Uh, the two was it the uh, something two thousand? Yeah, yeah. V V two VX two twenty. VX two twenty. Yeah. I wonder if that make it on there, but I, that's where I'd go instead of. There'd be a few quid, they will. Will there? Yeah, there won't be that money. What a piss take. Yeah, because uh, they have a turbocharged engine, but they've got a VXR one of them that flew. Now here is something that I think is going to be a real modern classic soon. Early VRS Skodas. So they're suggesting Fabia VRS. A 2005, 71,000 miles, diesel? just under five grand. Yeah, 1.9 diesel. Yeah. But I think there's going to be a bit of a cult following for early VRS Skodas soon. Yeah. You start to see a few of them knocking around. It's got a bit of a vibe to it, like a bit like an early AMG. Because there was this was this, this was Skoda coming back strong, wasn't no, it? No, you when, know what that car reminds me of? It reminds on. me of, the, and these are super rare, these cars. 
little Lupo GTIs. Oh, Lupo GTIs are yeah. vibe, man. So that's what that reminds me of. One yeah. Of Something like that. Yeah, I, th I think I think a, I think a Skoda VRS is cool. It's going to be a bit quirky. It's a bit, a bit out there. Those that know will give you the nod. It's got a bit of stance. It's not over the top. Um, and it will puff a load of black smoke out the yeah. back. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, excellent fuel economy. Uh, set out Ibiza. I mean, again, we're back into hot hatch territory, which I get it. If we're talking about affordable <laughs> performance cars, we've got to, got to consider hot hatches. But I want to discount them. I don't know why. What, think it's hot hatches? List. Yeah, I think it's another list that we can come back to. <sighs> it's, so, it's, it's people's go-to cars, mate, in general. I know, I know. In hard times. Get the hot hatches out. Yeah. You know what, in France, good on France, they've got a lot of old classic hot hatches. I saw them generally being used, like old Peugeot. Because they can't afford new cars in France. Well, they're all collectible now, but you know what they can afford? My backs. If you want to see a funny video, go watch one of Shmi's videos. Um, I can't remember what he titled it, but we went spotting in the 360 around Paris. Every other car's on my back. Really? It's a joke. I said to him, I said, there must be some kind of tax incentive or something. It's ridiculous. But that's only in Paris, though. Yeah, yeah, in I Paris. Mean, you go anywhere else in France, that's so not... Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> dodgy Renault 5. Yeah. Not even the turbos, it's dodgy Renault 5. Old 5s, yeah. Renault 5s, yeah. <laughs> uh, Volvo S60 T5. What's this all about? Oh, right. I don't know that's, the about big, this. that's the big one. Early cars got 250 horsepower, 2.3 litre 5 pop, but from 2004 they got 260 horsepower, 2.4 litre. Not to 16, just 6.5 seconds. Yeah. About two and a half grand for a 100,000 mile car. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, it won't break. It's a bit no. of a cruiser. I think a bit dull. Of I don't course. think that's exciting enough. It's a bit like the Saab 9.5. Was it the Saab 9.5? Yeah. yeah. Saabs are kind of cool, though. Yeah. Not that cool. They've gone bust. Good point. Uh, here's one that is cool. Ford Mondeo ST220. Yeah. Remember, remember them? They were super cool. So there's one yeah. listed here. 2006 car, 80,000 miles, four grand. 224 horsepower. But it's got, for me, that kind of old school Ford vibe. You know, this yeah. era with the Focus must have been a similar kind of... Uh, no, yeah. It's a bit later than that. Was it an 04? It's 06, this one. Yeah, similar. Similar era. But yeah, it's, yeah I re for me, this kind of era of hot Ford is... Yeah. It's a vibe. Yeah, it's got yeah. that classic look. Um, if you get a nice one, I'm sure that's a really lovely car. Yeah, is it a Mark 1 Mondo or Mark 2? Uh, start of the Mark 2s. Mark 2. Yeah, start of the Mark 2. Yeah, the Mark 1 ST220 was a was quite a good looking car as well back Maybe in the day. Maybe it's You never than I would. It's a bit before my time. I was 16 years old. I wasn't looking at Mondeos. Mm. Uh, MX-5 of course we've already mentioned that's a that's a go-to what about the Subarus here we go Subaru Impreza Turbo from around five grand oh this one's more expensive I think they're getting more and more pricey things like this Subarus and Evos they are yeah nine so, grand for one for 91,000 miles 1999 Impreza yeah that's the that's the that's the phase one one though isn't it but can I say when I drove that uh, 22B okay that's the best of the best it's like when I drove that A12 TDF um, or sorry whatever the A12 is um, competizione uh, it was amazing. I mm. absolutely loved it. And I yeah. thought, like, why are we not all just driving around in these? They're bloody brilliant. Yeah. Um, they're not all so 22Bs, though. That's the, no, that, I, that's the thing. They're not all, yeah. But you can kind of make a 22B. That's the other great thing about these cars. Well, within reason. No. Nope. Okay. No, you can't. <laughs> it's, like, it's, like you can, it's like you can make a competition. I mean, you can't. Sort of. Just let Ferrari do it. Sort of can do bits. Uh, Nissan 350Z. I'm a big fan of all the Z cars. I think the Z cars are cool. No. You don't like no, it won't break. It won't break. Yeah, it won't break. Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift, man. No chance. V6, rear wheel drive. Not for Come me. Come on, that's all no. kicking off. Manual. Seven grand. <laughs> For a 2006 350Z. I'd be all over that. Would you? I'd be all over that, mate. Of course you would. You love I think it's lovely. <laughs> oh, now, for me, 
this is where life is at right now. And I've actually been thinking, let's sell the GT3. The world's gone mad. Uh, 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 it's just too much money. But good luck I'm going to buy myself a Boxster S. Oh, yeah. 2002, 996 headlight style. Here's one. How much? 58,000 miles for seven grand. Good car, that, for seven grand. I mean, mate, there's a, there's the, use the yellow car as an example here. It looks amazing. Yeah. You want a really good one. Like, what? A, I mean, going into the winter in the UK, not a great idea. But I think that's an awesome, awesome affordable performance what, car. What a, what a good way to get your way into Porsche. Yeah. That 2.7 Boxster that that just gets to 5,000 revs and screams. Got a really nice bar to it. Get a nice spec, get a well-looked after one. There's enough independent specialists out there that can help you look after it. Then you're in that Porsche vibe. You can find one on PTS, you know, rapid PTS. You know, I'd rather have that car than a 996. I can, I, sure, I get it. Yeah, I get I it. Would. But I mean, I, I genuinely... Manual res- one though, everyone. Don't buy a... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't yeah, buy yeah. the tip one. Yeah, definitely get a manual one. Well sorted. You know, look after it. I think you're going to do well there. I think they'll I think they'll hold their money. Well, they've definitely okay. held their money. Yeah. yeah because uh, I, I, I remember took one of them in part exchange, an early one, had a bit more miles. I give two and a half grand for yeah. it. Under 10K, if you can get yourself, a, yeah, Boxster S. Yeah. Oh, I'd be a fan of that. Oh, it's an S as well. Yeah, yeah. It's you a can 3.2. Find, you can find... Uh, yeah, I oh, know Mark II boxed at air. Yeah, so 3.2, yeah. yeah. Find yeah not the 2.7. Oh, very good. Uh, hold on a sec. Uh, oh, yeah, 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 okay. Uh, Honda S2000. They always, for me, are a little bit more edgy than a MX-5. A little bit more like... Well, they're faster. Well, that helps. For sure. I don't know why I've always thought, oh, sorry, I've skipped straight on. I don't mind it. This is the car that's the vibe. I've looked at these recently. SLK 32 AMG. The really boxy SLK. Oh, I know the one you mean. 3.2 yeah. litre V6. Looks 350 like horsepower, mate. 350 horsepower. That's almost as much as my 360. <laughs> it's probably as fast. It's outrageous. 11,000 quid. Okay, we're getting pricey now. But again, like this is going to be one of those weird niche mercs that are going to start to appreciate, okay, not maybe in this market. But over time, if you bought that and kept it five years, you'd probably find you sell it for 25 grand. but no in general it will be made it's a a quirky amg merc yeah stuff's going mad for this you know i love that boxy (laughs) shape 25 grand oh that's such a cool car probably lose 25 grand i only spent 11 on it (laughs) um uh we've already talked about yeah e46 m3 Oh, but, but they're 15 grand, a few quid, aren't they? Yeah, that's, good that's money. That for, for a good one, that's yeah. money for sure. Um, let's pa- Oh, no. Oh, God, I've clicked off the wrong link. Um, we'll power through the last few suggestions. Uh, XKR, we, we talk, for, or at least I talk favourably about you sometimes. XKR. So, yeah, XKR. Yeah. See? So 20 grand-ish and a bit more. At the live event, you said it was a load of crap. Well, I mean, it is compared to a modern car, compared to your F-Type. It is. But for that generation, it was a good car. Okay, changing your tune once again. Um, BMW Z4 M. Z4 Here we go. Uh, no, Z3M. That's a crash. No, Z4M. Z4M. Here we go. The Z3M Coupe Roadster are now getting very collectible. And while the Z4Ms aren't available for giveaway prices, they're unlikely to ever be this cheap again. For your money, you'll get 343 horsepower, 3.2 litre straight six, made it to a six speed gearbox. 20 grand? Uh, 17 grand for a 45,000 mile car. I mean, that's quite a lot of money, mate. For one of them. You're not wrong, actually. That is a lot of money. Yeah, that, that, that's a lot of money. I don't think that's going to be a 30 or 40 grand car anytime soon. That. 
the last one, which I don't really want to reveal because I feel like I've given away my own. St- People kind of went in on us slash me at the live event for being rude about that guy's, uh, was it his Exedra or his Elise, his orange one? We were nonplussed about it because it was just a bit like, you know, there just wasn't a lot to say. It wasn't that we were being negative, I don't think. You probably were. But Elise S1, as in like... No idea. Gen 1 Elise, mate? Not interested. Really? No way. Why not? Well, because I went in on that bloke's one the other week. I can't now say it's good. No, but that was a more modern one. I, I think... No, I, 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 I... These are collectibles now. You know, I they're don't flying care. up, mate. I am I am not a fan of Lotus in general. Ultimate stuff. driver's car. No, it's not. For the drivers. No, it's not. Perfect weight and handling. And No, it's not. Not interested. I really like it. Uh, <laughs> I don't think it's all wrap things up. The last one they're putting on is a Maserati Gran Turismo, but I think we all know that would be... Actually, a lot of fun, but also a disaster. Um, um, uh, yes, a disaster. Yeah. Um, anyway, we're hoping to make that more of a feature. I just wanted to t- tap on it today. Um, but yeah, let us know on those names. Bargains buy, bargain buy, bargain buy. I don't think one of them was a bargain, by the way. <laughs> Apart Some from the Boxster. No, the Boxster. Out of all of them cars, if I had to go, if someone had to put a gun to my head and said, you've got to buy one of them today, I'd go and buy the box. Okay, well, there we go. So we know we've got to do some work because Tony didn't agree with anyone on the list. <laughs> and when we do that list, every week I'll pick the one that I think we should buy. Okay, that's a good idea. Oh, look at yeah. that. We're working on features live on air. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but there we go. We've teased quite a lot what's going to happen next week. As I say, the big synthetic fuels chat. We'll talk more about the 296 GTS once the embargo has been lifted and maybe do another feature on the, the bargain buys. Let us know if there's anything else you'd love us to discuss. Um, you can just comment in the section below or drop us an email at btg at seenthroughglass.com. If you want to follow Tony, he's at Tony Gravelwood Car Sales on most social media platforms. I'm at seenthroughglass on most social media platforms. And we'll be back with you with another another episode. It's doing so well there. Do you want to do that again? Nope. Next week. (laughs) Bye-bye. See ya. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 